City. This is Saturdays with Kramer right here on the Bet 1660. We have a nice full one-hour show for you today. And, man, I'll tell you one thing right now. You can always chime in onto the show at me, at Kramer Talks, or you can talk about the show and all the topics. You can also ask me questions if you want, and I will answer all of them throughout the show. Also, uh, before we get back, we get into any of the festivities on the show. Good luck today to the Rubidoux Middle School cross-country team as they look to sweep all the medals today up in Savannah, Missouri. I also should have the results to that uh, later on in the show. By the way, the, the, the coaches up there are uh, fabulous. They're absolutely terrific. They're the best coaches out there in the, uh, the cross-country world, especially in middle school. But yeah, no, it, it is week four in the National Football League as we get things Moving forward, as always, and the thing that is uh, interesting to to boot, especially how things have overcame and what has looked in the shape up of the AFC West, is the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs are in last place. This is the very first time that we've seen the Chiefs in last place under head coach Andy Reid, and also with Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback. Granted, there's only been three games in the National Football League that's happened for the Chiefs, and, and honestly. They are a muffed punt away for being 0-3 heading into Week 4 against the Eagles, which, by the way, this uh, this game rides a lot for Andy Reid because if Andy Reid does win this game, that means he has the 100th win as a Kansas City Chiefs head coach, and he already has 100 wins for the Eagles. So this is the first coach in NFL history to win 100 games for the Eagles and the 100 games for the Chiefs. So first coach to do that for two different teams. And granted... The Chiefs are trying to, you know, get better, especially on the offensive side, which, I mean, granted, if people say, oh, they, they don't need to get better on the offensive side, well, I mean, it, it's it's never bad to upgrade a position because, granted, they've been trying to look and figure out who their wide receiver two, their X receiver would be for the past two to three years, I feel like. Even with Sammy Watkins, he might have been their true X receiver that they've had but they haven't had a legit dominant one, and I'm not sure if Josh Gordon is the answer who they signed earlier this week. Granted, he's not going to play this week, but I, I've, I sent a tweet out on my, my Twitter, at Kramer Talks, and this is... Uh, it, it was interesting, because when I first heard about the deal, what the first thing I said to myself, and also I tweeted saying, so how many tackles is Josh Gordon going to have? I, I know he's on offense, and that sounds stupid that I ask that, but... It, they really don't need any help on the offensive side, I don't feel like, right now. Granted, we saw what Byron Pringle's been doing. We, we, we've seen what DeMarcus Robinson's been doing. We've seen what McCole Hardman has been doing. I mean, there's three guys right there, but yet you want to just you know sign Josh Gordon. Hopefully, you can just push those guys to the side because I feel like this is a panic move. This is a panic move, I believe, for Brett Veach to try to help and secure a better offensive scheme or a format for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I don't think this is the right time to sign a guy like Josh Gordon. He's been suspended from the league six different times. He was suspended even in college. He had to be drafted in the supplemental draft. So there's that baggage of history with Josh Gordon that comes along to the Chiefs. Granted, I think it's awesome that the Chiefs signed him to hopefully he can get a, a fresh start once again, even though he's had it before when he got signed to the Patriots and he's had it again with the Seahawks. And now he's having it again with the Chiefs. But granted, he had to do it again with the, the, the Browns when he first got drafted there or when he signed over there. 
But there was also another guy that the Chiefs weren't even considered about getting, which they probably should have put him on the top priority list, is the, the veteran linebacker Jamie Collins. The Detroit Lions were trying to trade him. They had no trade offers were in suit for them, so they ended up just releasing him. So Jamie Collins is a free agent. He's probably going to get picked up by a team after this week. I, I, I firmly believe that. But I, I tweeted out on my Twitter, says Chiefs signed Josh Gordon, but no interest in Jamie Collins. Who would, uh, who would fix this short-term solution fix? Either Josh Gordon or Jamie Collins. 57.7% said Jamie Collins was the short solution fix because of how the tackling has been for this defense. Because this defense, this defense looks like the 2018-2019 Kansas City Chiefs right now. It does. The secondary looks bleak. They can't coverage. The linebacker do not linebackers do not have coverage for the pass game. And this is just a dreadful start to the season on this defensive side. And you could possibly say that. Heck, if the, the players don't get it right, how long is Steve Spagnuolo going to be here? Because uh, even Tyron Matthews even said that, hey, uh, it's it's on us right now. The scheme works. It's just it's on us, which is actually surprising to hear that from a guy like Tyron. But Tyron's the leader of that defense. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it right now. The best defensive player on that team is Tyron Matthew. It's not Chris Jones. We've seen Chris Jones regress this year. People were like, oh, Chris Jones is going to eat. He's going to have 20 sacks. He's going to have 20-some sacks. Where's it at? Like where where where's the pressures at? Like, granted, I know he's battling some wrist injury, but where's the pressures at? I, I honestly think that the running game's terrible right now for the Chiefs. Move Chris Jones back to the defensive uh, tackle to where they actually had a decent run game to stop last year. Might you might want to do that because going up against the Eagles this week is going to it's, it, it might hurt the Chiefs a lot. You got a, a, a mobile quarterback in Jalen Hurts, who if the Eagles decide to you know, take a play or take a take something out of the Ravens playbook from how Lamar Jackson is being used. They might use that with Jalen Hurts. And then here's the thing too: Jalen Hurts has a cannon. Like he actually can throw the football too, compared to Lamar Jackson. And they and, and the only reason why the Ravens beat the Chiefs anyway is because of Clyde Edwards Elaire fumble. So if the Chiefs end up going up against a guy like Jalen Hurts that is going to be equivalent to I don't know Lamar Jackson 2.0 in this game. It's going to be a long day. It's going to be a long day for the Chiefs, and Chiefs might be in at 1-4. But I honestly believe that that's not going to happen. This will be a close game, and I feel like with all the the lack of pressure on the defensive side, I feel like Patrick Mahomes will overcome it and prevail, but it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think it's going to be a 24-21 Chiefs victory. Harrison Butker is probably going to kick the game-winning field goal. Like I think this, we're not going to see... Let me, let me rephrase that. We have not seen the Kansas City Chiefs Outscore opponents or win opponent like win games by blowouts. We haven't seen that since the Super Bowl run back in 2020. They had so many games last year where it was decided by either a touchdown or a field goal, and we're starting to see that once again this year. Even with the Browns game, the Browns should have won that game. You can't tell me that the Chiefs uh, were were dominant that entire game because they weren't. The Chiefs were somewhat dominant the entire game against the Ravens. They started off hot, but they got really cold really quick. But, huh, you know what's interesting? We saw the Chiefs last season get really hot, but then get cold really quick. What is going on with this offense? Why is it the fact that they get out hot, but then it's a more of a, now we're going to play conservative the rest of the game, but then once you play conservative too much, you make dumb passes. You throw bad interceptions. You can't force that third and short play to make that first down because your running game isn't there. The Chiefs' offense right now is the biggest question mark, which I, I understand why you signed Josh Gordon. It's a big dude. He can win those 50-50 balls. 
But you need to figure out that run game first before you can figure out that passing game. We already know Patrick Mahomes can throw it around the field. We, we know that. We've seen it plenty of times. He can throw a deep ball to Tyree Kill anytime. As long as Tyree Kill is there to catch it, it's going to happen. And you can have Ty- Travis Kelsey run around in circles like he usually does and gets open somehow. So that, the Chiefs, they're fine in the passing game, which, which I still is still a head-scratcher to why you want to sign Josh Gordon. You need to figure out that running game because Clyde Edwards-Elair is looking like a first-round bust for the Chiefs currently right now. But still, the Chiefs will win this game, I believe, 24-21 to give Andy Reid that 100 win as a Kansas City Chiefs head coach, which, man, that's, that's a great accomplishment, especially for what happened, that scary moment last week, for what happened to where he had been rushed to the hospital, which he's been completely progressed really well to where I'm so happy the fact that he's actually going to be here on the sideline to coach, which that because I mean, he, I want to see the best availability to every single person, whether if it's on the coaching staff or even the players, to, uh, to have their perform their best to what they can do on the field. So yeah, Chiefs, I think Chiefs win 24-21 against the Eagles. It's going to be a close, low-scoring game. It might be even a boring game for some, but it's going to be a low-scoring game. Now with the Broncos and Ravens this week here as we still continue around the AFC West, this is the first game now that the Broncos are actually going to go up against a legit opponent. An opponent that has lost to the Raiders and an opponent that has lost to the Chiefs. We've seen this already. The Broncos have played three teams. And those three teams are all 0 for 3 right now. They've played the Giants, they've played the Jaguars, and they've played the Jets. That's a combined 0 and 9. Now it's 0 and, 0 and 10 because the Jaguars just lost week 4 against the um, uh, Bengals. The Broncos have not played a credible team, but yet they are still ranked higher, for some reason higher, in the power rankings above the Las Vegas Raiders. It does that does not make sense or sit well with me. It doesn't because the fact that the Raiders have played the Ravens at home, they went on the road to beat the Steelers, and they had, they played a, a tight game against the Dolphins that shouldn't have been tight, but they still won the game. Hey, a win's a win in the National Football League because that defense, the Miami Dolphins, is still a, a pretty good defense from last season. It is. But the fact that the Broncos are above them in power rankings and they have the weakest schedule in the NFL, maybe the second weakest schedule, they're 3-0. They're getting their first loss this week against the Ravens. They, they are. It's, it's time for them. Even though the Ravens last week should have probably lost the Detroit Lions, which, is, which baffles me that the fact that they had to convert a 4th and 19 play, I think it what it was, and they, got the, they converted it, which, good gosh, that defense for the Lions is just terrible. Then Justin Tucker rips their heart out once again with a 66-yarder, an NFL record kick to win that game. Which by is it's 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 completely impressive, but the Ravens will win this week. Heck, that thin air in Mile High, we might see a 67-yarder from Justin Tucker in the half, or to end the game, or to win the game. I don't I don't think it's going to go down to a field goal game. I I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to keep it close because that's what Teddy Bridgewater does. He keeps every single game close if they're down. So we saw that last year in Carolina. That's probably one of the main reasons why I think well that I know that Teddy Bridgewater is completely better than Drew Locke. But yeah, no, that's the, the the Broncos are getting their first loss this week. And then when it comes to Monday night, which this might be one of the greatest games that has happened. I mean, there's been a lot of great games that have happened this year in the NFL so far. The Raiders versus the Los Angeles Chargers on Monday night in LA. I just want to say thank you, NFL scheduling people, for this matchup. I, I want to thank you. I know we're going to see it twice a year because of the, they're in the same division. But this is going to be... A very good game that we're going to see, I believe, the Raiders pull ahead even further in the AFC West because 
even granted last year, I know that the Raiders won in LA when there was cardboard cutouts in the stands, but now there's actually be fans. And the thing is with the fans in LA, I don't know if people remember, but I mean, the Raiders used to, you know, play in Los Angeles. There's going to be so many Raiders fans of this game to where it's going to be a home game. It's going to feel like a home game for the Raiders. Heck, there were plenty of dark blue jerseys when the Dallas Cowboys were in L.A. to watch. Uh, well, when the Chargers played L.A., it's where, um, uh, wait, no, excuse me, where the Cowboys played L.A. and the, Char- and the Chargers lost to the Cowboys. Man, I had tongue-twisting everything. But this is going to be a home game for the Raiders, especially because of, I mean, Las Vegas is only two hours away from L.A. So, I mean, there's it, there's a driving distance. Heck, people travel traveled from L.A. up to the Black Hole in Oakland when they were in Oakland uh, for their second stint. Like, people travel from L.A. up there every single game day. It's like they, they travel well. The Raiders travel well. And they're so close in proximity that it's it's going to be a home game for the Raiders, and it's going to be... it's. It's good. It's not going to be a blowout, but Derek Carr is going to beat Justin Herbert. Great, Justin Herbert last week looked decent against the Kansas City Chiefs, but ten of those passes that he converted were terrible balls. The wide receivers bailed him out. Which I mean, if you got a guy like Mike Williams and also Keenan Allen, which Keenan Allen can catch everything in the NFL, even if it's ten feet higher, he will somehow get up there to jump up there to make the catch. Because we saw that. We we saw that last week. Justin Herbert might be a decent quarterback, but he's having a terrible start to his second season in the NFL. He is. And it's and it could be a sophomore slump. Our people are figuring him out, or he's somewhat trying to incorporate, trying to audible with people in the stands when it's so loud that he can't really talk over it because he has that baby voice. So it's 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 gonna be and this defense for the Raiders is completely overhauled. It's completely different from last year, and it's 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 it works. It finally works. And Josh Jacobs is gonna be a go. He is. Like it, it Josh Jacobs is gonna be a go this week. He's gonna be running all over the the defensive line. Hey, you even have Peyton Barber if you want. Or you can Kenyon Drakes can uh, catch it out of the back. But Raiders are winning this one against the Chargers Monday night. And even though it's in LA, it's gonna be a home game for the Raiders. It will be. Major League postseason is somewhat set. Next. You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on the Bet 1660. This is Saturdays with Kramer. Back at it on the Bet 1660. Or you can chime in on the show, ask me questions, text me, tweet me. Heck, if you have me on Snapchat, ask me on there. If you have any questions, let me know. My favorite sport ever. I played it from when I was three, I would say about four years old, possibly five years old. Um, all the way up until college is baseball. Heck, my first home run was in the T-ball. I vividly remember this. I don't know why. It's like one of the early memories that I can think of. And playing T-ball, I mean, granted, T-ball fields aren't that big. We all know that. But if a kid can hit a home run in T-ball, that's a little bit impressive. This guy's done it. This, uh, as a, as a, as a, I mean, I wouldn't say I was a man child back as a kid, like at four or five years old. But I, I can, uh, I, I hit nukes. I hit nukes. Struck out a lot though. 
especially when I got older. I struck out a lot, but, but, it, but that's uh, enough about me. More about what's happening in Major League postseason because it's it's somewhat set right now. It is. It's somewhat set. In my eyes, this this weekend, this final two games, oh my gosh, that just... It's only two games, two games left of Major League Baseball. This It's a regular season. First, I mean, two games left for some teams, such as the Kansas City Royals. It's sad to think that because I love, absolutely love baseball. I, I remember when the season this year came back with fans in it. I had five different monitors with games on that I was trying to watch every single thing. I think the first month and a half of Major League Baseball, I probably watched a total of close to 100 games. Like I was watching games religiously every single night or, or day, night, because there's always day games and stuff. But yeah, but the thing I'm looking forward to right now and scoreboard watching is what's happening all the way over in the American League because like, we got to stay up late. We got to watch games early, stay up late because what Seattle's doing. But the AL wildcard is not set whatsoever. It's not. There's a good chance the Yankees could possibly stay. The Yankees might be a lock. Like, but there's, that's the thing. There's no lock right now in any of the wildcard spot because of how the four teams are set. Athletics, sorry, but you're done. So you have set that in four teams. That's the New York Yankees, Boston Red Sox, Seattle Mariners, and the Toronto Blue Jays. Seattle and Toronto are, are, are 89 and 71. They're only a game out. Boston Red Sox are 90 and 70, and the Yankees are 91 and 69. There's a good chance that New York Yankees and Boston may not be in the wild card game. There's a good chance that Seattle and Toronto may be up there. There's a good chance it may factor out. So that's why today is huge. Today is huge for Major League Baseball, especially in the American League, to figure out who's going to be those wild card guys. Because personally, I think it's a, a good... I would love Seattle to make it there because no one was expecting it. I I thought this was the year that Seattle made had a step forward, but not this much. And we haven't seen the Seattle Mariners in the postseason since, I think, what, 2001? 2002? It's been a while. It's been a while for Seattle to be there. But it would be also cool to see Toronto there because of all the young talent. And also with the Boston Red Sox. It's, it's interesting to see how this team transformed to just everybody leaving, to trading people away, to the fact that they are lobbying for a spot in the wild card because they can't catch the Tampa Bay Rays. Same with the Yankees. Yankees had the... The most roller coaster ride of a season, and they got hot at the right time, especially in their last ten. They're they're eight and two, which, by the way, if you're hot for your last ten, like Yankees are eight and two, the Mariners are eight and two, Red Sox and Blue Jays are five and five. Like that's a that's a telltale sign of who could possibly make it to the to the the wild card game. I would say Yankees Seattle because they're the most they're the hottest team right now, especially with the bat of Giancarlo Stanton. That dude is smoking the ball. But that's... Uh, so I think Seattle and the Yankees are is what's going to happen. And of course, if it's that is going to happen, the Yankees are going to win the wild card game. But it'd be, it'd be interesting to see Boston there. It'd be interesting to see the Blue Jays there. But that's just not going to happen. But the here's also the thing. The National League wild card game isn't set either. We know one team is set. That's the St. Louis Cardinals who went on a torrid 17-game winning streak. And they're now back on a two-game winning streak. They're finishing out their series with the Chicago Cubs with the game today and tomorrow. The St. Louis Cardinals are the most dangerous team in Major League Baseball right now. With the fact of how 
Paul Goldschmidt has played this this past month of September with how Nolan Arenado has played this past month of September and with Tyler O'Neill. Those are three guys on the team that has over 30 home runs. Hey, Dylan Carlson is a rookie and he has 17 home runs currently. He's had like he's having a gold glove career, um, a caliber season. Harrison Bader's bat has woken up. His glove is there. Tyler O'Neill has been playing spectacular left field for the Cardinals. This defense is amazing. If Edmundo Sosa, I mean, he granted he's day to day right now with because uh, he got hit in the wrist uh, a couple of games ago. If he he's he's their best defensive shortstop with Paul DeYoung there too. DeYoung's more the the hitter compared to what Edmundo is, but I like Sosa on the field. This is a all round Gold Glove lineup. It is. Tommy Edmund could be the Gold Glove caliber second baseman. You can also put him in the outfield. You got the corners are already Gold Glove caliber guys because they've already won them before. And of course, the catcher is arguably the best catcher that's played the game. So what they're doing with the St. Louis Cardinals right now, they are the hottest team. And the fact that the Giants and Dodgers are, are trying to lobby to whether who's going to win the National League West or who's going to be the, the wild card one spot, that's kind of scary. That's kind of dangerous because they're trying to make that push to win the division. They're going to try to go all out for every 162 games. And the Cardinals right now are just sitting back and relaxing. Because they, I mean, they acquired everybody was they thought they were crazy for acquiring John Lester and also J.A. Happ before the deadline. But these are some veteran grizzled guys that has gotten them to this point to help them out on said 17 game winning streak run. And the experience. John Lester has won plenty of World Series. He would not be mad if he wins another one. Same with Adam Wainwright. He's won two. He, he, he would like to do another one. And that's the thing, too. Who is starting this wild card game between the Giants and Dodgers versus the Cardinals? Either or. Because if, if those guys are playing their best, trying to play their best baseball, and having their best pitchers out there, you got to think about the wild card game. I mean, I, the Dodgers have a, a solid rotation. Clayton Kershaw is what just went down. He went down yesterday. But if Walker Bueller. Or Luis Urias, or no, excuse me, Julio Urias. It has to be one of those guys for the Dodgers. They're going to win the uh, if they're going to make the wild card game because I think it's going to be Dodgers Cardinals. The Giants are just the Giants. Like it's it doesn't make sense. The Giants should not be this good, but they are. And especially with Brandon Belt down and possibly out for the remainder of the season, Darren Ruff, you got to step up. Former KBO and the Nate Palm uh, Japan League uh, slugger. He's going to step up. He will. But the Cardinals are winning this wild card game. And it's, it's, and it's going to be a, a blowout. And that's the thing, too. Who's going to start for the St. Louis Cardinals? All right, I, personally, for me, I think you should throw Jack Flaherty for one inning, put Dakota in there, Dakota Hudson in there for two innings, and then bring Adam Wainwright in the fourth to shut everything down. It's a weird mindset to have to put that, to have everything up that way, but you need all hands on deck to win that wild card game. And that's why I believe that whether if it's the Giants or Dodgers who are going to play that wild card game, they're, they've already mentally drained and taxed because they had to make it to that point of, heck, do we make the wild card game or not? Do we win the division or not? Because they haven't celebrated yet. They, they, they did celebrate the fact that they made the, a postseason berth, 
but they have yet to celebrate whether or not they have either won the division or whether they're going to be in the wild card game. So whoever plays the wild, against the wild card team is either going to play. So if you're the Cardinals and you beat the Dodgers, you got to play the Giants next. That's going to be a tough game. And whether if it's going to be the Giants, you beat them, or you're going to play the Dodgers, it's going to be a tough game no matter what. But I feel like the Cardinals have the edge in the one-game playoff to order to advance. They do. So that's what I think. Like for the World Series matchup, I believe it's going to be the St. Louis Cardinals versus the Chicago White Sox. That's it's going to be a it's it's going to be a fun series. This is what the this is what the World Series should have been back in 2005, when it was the White Sox and Astros, when it should have been the White Sox and Cardinals. We're going to actually see that matchup now. It's going to be Tony Russo taking on his former team. Well, one is one of his former teams. So that's what I believe. That's what's going to happen. St. Louis Cardinals versus Chicago White Sox, and I think this might be the year for the Cardinals. And I, I, I know I'm saying that, and I, you're probably all thinking, oh, Kramer, you're just a little homer for the team. I, that could be a possible case. But this team won 17 games in a row in September. This team, by the All-Star break, was eight games back. Eight games, when I say eight games back, eight games back from 500. They had a .02% chance of making the postseason. They did it. Like this, 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 this team reminds me of the 2011 team where they were just consistent. They got cold. People got hurt. People came back at the right time. They got hot, especially in September. And what did they do in 2011? They won the World Series. They did. They beat the, the Texas Rangers, who made it there what, what, three straight times, and they could not secure that win, that, that World Series. This is the Bet 1660. I'm Kramer Sansone. This is Saturdays of Kramer. Let's try to make some money. We got we got MLB FanDuel lineups, and we also have the NFL FanDuel daily fantasy lineups. Get your uh, get your bookie ready too, because I mean they're good. I, I'm also going to give you. Well, I mean, if you didn't do it already, um, uh, I gave you at least three locks on the money line to what you should do. And I know for a fact people have. Yeah, no, we'll get into a little bit more of that when I get back. But let's try to make some money right here on Saturdays with Kramer. You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on the Bet 1660. Back here on the Bet 1660. I'll tell you one thing right now. By the way, Saturday's a Kramer. I might have figured out my my dream job. And that was what uh, I think it was called a, a administrative assistant or for at, for Lego. Like, I mean, hey, I'm a huge Lego nerd. Like, I'm about to go buy some, uh, like, a Le- not a Lego set, but I want to rebuild the Field of Dreams set. Like, I feel like that's, like, the most logical thing for myself to do i'm not going to go out there and be like i'm going to buy the set no i'm going to physically go buy each individual piece by piece i think they're like what 17 cents per piece on something which i'm not gonna lie one little lego piece 17 cents that's a lot lego makes a lot of money especially during those holiday times but i'm a huge lego lego nerd and that's something that a little bit more stuff about me and uh, i'm getting some evil looks right now because i'm uh, taking uh, someone else's dream away from them but that's okay um, uh, by the way, also, I want to give a shout out to one of my mentors who's listening to it, who uh, brought me all the way through uh, through college, John Coffey. You're the man. You're the man, John Coffey. Also, by the way, I, I, you know, I've always not trashed this studio, but today, the studio in the 1660 is not being held by duct tape or shoelaces or elbow grease because this thing is a full-functioning machine, and you know what the full-functioning machine is going to do? 
hopefully win some money for some people because we got some lineups to get through, especially for Major League Baseball. This is the final regular season daily fantasy lineup we're going to be doing until we get to the postseason for next week because it's going to be hot and heavy for games and how we're going to pick and all of that. But you need to start your pitcher today, John Lester versus Chicago Cubs. A former team that John Lester always likes to go up against because any team he, he, he's played for, he likes going up against them and try to beat them and shut them down and everything. So John Lester is your play today. You need to play John Lester against Chicago Cubs. He'll probably go maybe five or six innings. So you don't want to tax that elbow or arm way too much for that lefty. And if he's going to keep guys off the base, which I hope he does because he cannot throw to first base to pick them off for pickoff attempts. Like to start John Lester, though, against the Cubs. I, granted, Frank Schwindel might have a few hits, but that that's it. Start John Lester. For your catcher first base spot, even for tomorrow, for tomorrow's game, start Salvador Perez versus the Twins. This man has 48 home runs currently, tied with Jorge Soler. Give him the 49. I, Jorge Soler has done incredible things for the Atlanta Braves, which I'm laughing about it right now that he was so terrible this year. But with the Kansas City Royals, the fact that he's the leadoff guy in Atlanta is just remarkable. But start Salvador Perez against the Twins. He is due, as my music stops, that's interesting. He is due for a a, a a game. He's due for a hell of a game. And even for, I want, me, I want him to get to 50. I, I've told my friend Josh Vernier, the Royals insider over at 610 Sports Radio, our sister station here, I've told him plenty of times saying, hey, this was two months ago. I said, Salvi is getting to 50. He's getting to 50. <laughs> yes, I think it's funny now. I'm just not thinking about it. I got to go get the elbow grease back out and the, the shoelaces so we can get this audio back going on because it's just just it just stopped. It, that's it. Sad moment here as I praised the, the studio and now the studio wants to betray me. That's, just, that's, that's karma, baby. That's karma. All right, so at second base, take Tommy Edmond versus the Cubs. Tommy Edmond has been almost the glue and the undersung guy for the Cardinals currently right now, and he's their leadoff guy. So you're going to at least see four to five at-bats from him and that depending on how long they want to play their starters this game, which I hope it's not by much. But still, take Tommy Edmond. Now, at third base, I actually have three of these guys that are on, on the same team in my lineup. Take Kyle Seager versus the Angels. The Angels are trying to lobby for that postseason berth contention of trying to make that wild card game. And Kyle Seager, he is the face of the Seattle Mariners, which the face and the captain need to step up. And so this is why you need to start Kyle Seager. Kyle Seager is going to... I hope go for like he needs to go at least two for four. He needs to drive in a couple of runs and also he needs to score a couple of runs in order for the the Mariners to try to help them get to the postseason. Because I mean, the Mariners right now are America's team apparently. And honestly, I loved every single minute of it with how the 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 fan, the crowd, because it was sold out yesterday, which means it's going to be sold out once again today because things are still working at it to where people want to go out and watch the game, especially over in Seattle. So. It's just a, a play that you need to play as many Seattle Mariners as you can for this next two days. Now your shortstop. Take Josh Rojas versus the Rockies, the, the, the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, shortstop. Granted, the only reason why I have him in the lineup is because he's going to be batting leadoff, and his value is incredible. That 2,100 uh, points for FanDuel, take him. Outfield spot, take Mitch Hanniger versus the Angels. Another guy. He's, this is one of the guys that has helped them get to this point. This is the guy that can hit 40 home runs a season, and he's pretty darn close for this year. Mitch Hanniger, start him. Take also outfielder. 
Jordan Alvarez, the Houston Astros versus the Athletics. The past three weeks, we've started Jordan on Saturday. What has Jordan done? He has went your gone. He's hit home runs every single Saturday that we've 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 played him. So take Jordan Alvarez. Also, another outfield spot. Take Elway Jimenez versus the Detroit Tigers. Just do it. It's Elway. He's going to be he. If I want to see Eloy Jimenez this season, if I we would have saw him or seen him play the full 162, this man would be the MVP. I firmly believe that. He has the batting average. He has the power. He's even got the, the glove out in left field. He, he truly does. Eloy would be an MVP if he can stay healthy. And I, I, I cannot wait to see what he can do next season, especially in the, in the AL uh, Central. It would be interesting. And over in the utility spot, take... The Mariners tie France versus the Angels. Once again, they got to step up. Take any Mariner that you can get, especially against the Angels, because if Shohei Otani is not pitching, take any single person but the Angels pitching staff. The Angels pitching staff is completely terrible. So Mariners, take them. So once again, for your Major League Baseball lineups, make sure you do John Lester, Salvador Perez, Tommy Edmond, Kyle Seeger, Josh Rojas, Mitch Hanniger, Jordan Alvarez, Eloy Jimenez, and Ty France in that order. Take it. Let's win some money. By the way, got to make sure to tell you guys this. You can use these lines if you want, but if it doesn't make you any money, you just can't blame me because, one, I'm not an expert, even though I'm ranked third on Sharp, I'm a sharp Rank, which Sharp Rank is the one of the betting insiders of where people are ranked from what you need to value their opinions on stuff. I'm ranked third, by the way, in the in all of them. I think Cynthia Freeland of NFL Network's number two. She's right above me. Cynthia, I'm coming for you this week. Now let's go move over to transition to the NFL. Your quarterback this week you should take is going to be an odd one because I know how the Cleveland Browns defense played last week against Justin Fields. Take Kirk Cousins. Why, why take Kirk Cousins? This dude went toe-for-toe with Mr. Unlimited Russell Wilson this last week. And the Vikings looked on offense. They were firing all cylinders. And they're they're in Cleveland. Not Cleveland. They're in Minnesota. The Browns defense might be good, but Cousins is a, a decent, consistent quarterback that will put up fantasy points. He will. And if Dalvin Cook does or doesn't play, you're going to expect Alexander Matson to, you know, play as well. But... You're going to throw the ball more. You got Adam Thielen there. If you got Adam Thielen there, throw the th- Justin Jefferson, throw it to him. Kirk Cousins will put up points this week against the Browns. So start Kirk Cousins. You're running back. The first one that came to my mind because of how A.J. Brown and Julio Jones is going to be out this week. Take Derrick Henry versus the New York Jets. New York Jets have a good pass defense. They don't have a good run defense. So expect 30 carries, 200 yards, and two touchdowns from my man Derrick Henry. Especially with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones out, who are you going to throw it to? Like, like who? Like you name me another guy on this uh, on that offensive uh, the wide receiver core that they could throw it to. I, I I can't even think I can't even think of another wide receiver there. That's because it's just either you run the ball or you don't. I mean, especially if you have a guy like Derrick Henry who's a horse. Start Derrick Henry this week. Another running back. Take Miles Sanders versus Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs run defense is not existent. You 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 should be able to be at sa- play it safe. Heck, if you want to st- play Jalen Hurts at quarterback against the Kansas City Chiefs, if you want. But I just I just suggest you play Kirk Cousins. But take Miles Sanders versus the Chiefs this week. It could be a risk, though. It could be a risk because the Kansas City Chiefs are, are notorious for starting off hot and teams try to force the throw down the field and there's more interceptions coming that way. But with teams this year have played the fact of Chiefs may get hot, which they always do. Teams come back, which they always do against the Chiefs, unless it's the Cleveland Browns game. 
and Miles Sanders is going to run all over. It's 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 going to happen. Miles, start Miles Sanders at wide receiver. Take Christian Kirk of the Arizona Cardinals. They're taking on the Los Angeles Rams. I know their pass defense is good, but you have DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Green. Who AJ Green had a a, a game last week that had what nine receptions for ninety eight nine yards, which he hasn't had that many receptions in some time. And maybe it was Andy Dalton was his quarterback over in Cincinnati. I mean, you got to think. Kirk's going to be open. Christian Kirk's going to be open. Jalen Ramsey can't cover him. So Kyler Murray's best option this week is going to be Christian Kirk. So, so start him. Your other wide receiver spot, take Jalen Waddle on the Miami Dolphins. Taking on the Indianapolis Colts? Why not? Waddle needs to have himself a day, so take Waddle. Your other wide receiver, take Robbie Anderson versus the Dallas Cowboys. He needs a breakout. He hasn't had that breakout game yet. He played with the, Sam Darnold last year with the Jets. Now he's playing with, with this year against, with the Panthers. It's a win-win situation. I think this is going to be the game that we're going to see Robbie Anderson just go lights out, go go guns heavy, go just go all out. At tight end, take Robert Tonya the, of the Pittsburgh. No, they're taking on Pittsburgh. They're, they, he's a Green Bay Packer. Take him because of the red zone targets. Aaron Rodgers is going to throw it to him. He's either going to throw it to him or uh, Devontae Adams. Take Tonya. At your flex, take Travis Kelsey. He's going to be Patrick Mahomes' favorite target tomorrow, so just start Travis Kelsey. He'll have 10 receptions, maybe 100 yards, because Tyreek Hill is... Hasn't played. I don't think Tyreek Hill's played. He's been on the field, but he hasn't like legit played since week one. And at defense, take the Tennessee Titans. That Jets offense is so bad. Like, I believe a college program could go toe-to-toe with that offense. Now, defense is a different question. But that offense, I think I think Alabama could go toe-to-toe, especially with all their wide receiver cores they have. It, it, it's, it's possible. So take the Titans defense. So once again, your quarterback, take Kirk Cousins. Running back, Derrick Henry. Running back, Miles Sanders. Running back, Christian Kirk. Wide receivers, take Jalen Waddle, Christian Kirk, and Robbie Anderson. Your tight end, take Robert Tonya. Flex, Travis Kelsey. And on defense, take the Titans. All right, we're going to come back because you know why? Let's end the barstool debate against Brady or Belichick. Belichick. Brady or Belichick, next. You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on the Bet 1660. So Ezra Kramer here on the Bet 1660. Of course, I praise the studio. The studio wants to fail me, of course, and that's, that's it's it's not a common thing. I mean, it, this usually never happens, but I mean, it does. That, that it, it's it's you live and you learn. That's that's the thing. But yeah, no, it's uh about five minutes left here, and we got the bur- the old barstool debate with Brady v. Belichick because it's gonna happen this Sunday, Sunday night. I mean, Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick, and it's in Foxborough. And this is going to be a highly anticipated game. I wish the the, uh, the Patriots were at least good, but they're not. Um, yeah, no, this is uh, Bill Belichick this week on reporters trying to ask him, uh, you know, just talk about Tom Brady. Bill, is, would you consider Tom a tough quarterback to defend, and if so, why? Uh, defend, do you consider him a tough quarterback to defend? Yeah. Is that the question? Yeah. Yeah, he's just... Tough, what, tough, he's as tough as any quarterback there is or ever has been. I mean, enough said. I mean, his numbers are incredible. He's about to pass the all-time passing record. He's done more than any other player at that position um, in whatever measurement you want to take, whether it's yards, completions, touchdowns, championships, uh, you know, you name it. So put anything out there you want. Like, I don't get any tougher than him. So at least Bill Belichick is respectful 
putting respect on Tom Brady, and he's not like being the little little cowardly dog tucking his tail between his legs because Tom Brady left for greener pastures and uh, Tampa Bay and ends up winning a Super Bowl in his first year there, which is kind of not, it's not ironic, but that literally, that right there ended the barstool debate of whether if it's Belichick or Brady. I mean, granted, Belichick is such a great defensive-minded head coach to where Tom Brady, like if, I mean, granted, he had to get, he had some say in the offensive plays from Josh McDaniels, but towards the time of Tom Brady's career in New England, it they he needed a different spark. And the fact that Tom Brady even said that this football is fun again. Like I could play until I'm 50 years old, which I mean, I thought about it for a second. I'm like, Tom Brady is really 44 or 45 right now, which he, he's playing at such a spectacular level, which I can't hate at. Like, granted, I at a certain point in my watching career of National Football League, I didn't like Tom Brady because of how good he was. But granted, I know it's odd for me saying that because I'm a Michigan Wolverine guy. Because I, I, I mean, I didn't watch football back then. So what I remember watching is Tom Brady just winning and winning and winning and winning and winning. And it's like we, I grew old to that. And then now, towards like the later part, maybe it was like since 2014, I started to appreciate it because the 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 level of playing that he is playing at the, his level is so high, especially for his age. It's just it's this will never be done ever again. And people want to say, oh, Patrick Mahomes could possibly be the guy to surpass of how long Tom Brady can stay in this league. Tom Brady's had an offensive line to protect him his every every single season, except for the year that I can't remember who broke his leg. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs that broke his leg, I think it was like week two, and then Matt Castle had to come and save the day for the Patriots, and then how he did Matt Castle into becoming a Chief. That, yeah, that's all the rest is history on that. But Tom Brady's had an offensive line to help keep him upright his entire career. And he's now starting to play unselfish football. Because I mean, even, even Rex Ryan even said over on uh, Get Up on ESPN that Tom Brady's had to sacrifice tremendous amounts of everything. Just listen. This, in my opinion, is the biggest regular season game in, in his history. He's looking at it that way privately. He'd never say it openly. Why? Because he's the, he allowed this to happen. He allowed Tom Brady to walk. And people would say, no, he, no, they offered him. No, they didn't. Man, are you kidding me? There's ways of letting people leave and whatever. What I do know, I love the fans' reaction right now because they're like, no, Belichick gave him a fair contract and Brady wanted to leave New England. That, that's not what happened. Okay, I'm going to tell you this. Here's something the fans should remember. Okay, no player has ever sacrifice more for his football team than Tom Brady. And I'm talking in the history of the NFL, not just mentally, not just physically, but you know what? With his dang money, financially, this guy could have made $10 million a year more playing anywhere else. All right, so that's a sacrifice uh, this guy made. So we're seeing that with Tom Brady making sacrifices, especially financially. This It's just a... it's It's... He's now having fun with it. He's now making more money than he's ever had, and it's it's shown. Granted, it, me personally, it's not about the money. It's never been about the money. It's always been about doing whatever it is to help succeed myself in life. Like I enjoy radio so much. Like if you want to go into a career that is lucrative, radio is not your 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 option. It's not. 
But I love this because I enjoy talking to you all, whether if you agree with my opinions or don't agree with my opinions. I just enjoy you all listening. I do. And it's just, I don't do this for the money. I do this for the fact of the appreciation of all of you listening and everything. And that's what Tom Brady's doing now. Tom Brady is now taking the money because his entire career, he's taking those pay cuts. The Patriots keep winning. Still pay cuts. They keep winning. And now he's actually enjoying football a lot more. I'm not saying I won't enjoy it more when I get paid more because I really don't give a you-know-what. So, yeah. Now, this has been Saturdays with Kramer right here on the Bet 1660. I thought I'd have results for the, uh, the, the, the not track, the cross-country thing that my mom and my brother is a coach of, which spectacular coaches up there in eighth grade, Ruby Middle School. Shout out to you. So all the kids who did place, they'll find out later on. But, yeah, no, thank you all for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed your rest of your Saturday. We got an incredible amount of baseball to watch and an incredible amount of football to watch these next two days. And, hey, wild card game's coming up. Let's go Cardinals, baby. Everybody, bump at Kansas City. You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on the Bet 1660.